begins with this gate drop. Welcome to the Power to the Crown podcast. My name is Jesse. I will be your host. I am doing this alone today because Steve is out camping with his family, uh, having a good time, but we will get to that after we get some Power to the Ground spots. Here we go. Thank you for tuning into the Power to the Ground podcast. Check us out on Instagram where we share race highlights and we record this podcast on Instagram Live every Sunday morning. Also, Visit our website, www.power2theground.com, where you can check out some merch, and don't forget to sign up for our email list for giveaways, news, and to get notified every time we upload a new podcast. All right, now let's jump right into it. The uh, The championships are officially wrapped up. The season is over. We have... Um, no real surprises here. We pretty much knew how how both of these were going to go. Uh, Tomac obviously wrapped it up last week. He became the fourth person in history of the sport to win three consecutive 450 Outdoor Champions uh, Championships. So, congratulations to Eli Tomac. Um, it was pretty much <laughs> pretty much a wrap as far as i'm concerned pretty much a wrap from the beginning of the season everybody knew this was going to happen he was the guy to beat and nobody else really had anything to uh to to bring to the table that was ever going to uh change fate it was eli's fate to win this and i got to be honest i i kind of see that to be the uh the same for next year outdoor um, however, Supercross, as we all know, is a completely different beast, especially for Eli Tomac. So we have that to look forward to. Uh, as always, Eli will do his thing in Supercross. He will look like he is the fastest guy out there by far. However, um, we'll see if he can actually put it together for an entire season and win a championship for the first time ever. Um, if he does that, I, I got to put him in a category for greatest ever, but he has not proven that to me yet until he wins that Supercross title. So let's see if he can do it this year um, before he just goes ahead and wraps up next year's the uh, 2020 outdoor season. I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen, but we'll see. Um, as far as the 250s, um, Ciancia Rulo won the 250s. Uh, there was a long shot for Ferrandis to pull this one out for this week. Um, he gave it his all. Um, he did everything that he could. It, he just he wasn't consistent uh, consistent enough going through the entire season to actually pull off the uh, the championship. Um, but good good going for uh, for Ferrandis. He he did everything that he could. But more so, congratulations to uh, Ciancio Rulo. Um, this is his first. Uh, professional championship and uh congratulations to him especially after the heartbreak that he had at the end of the supercross season um if you're not aware of that he pretty much had the supercross championship wrapped up and uh he crashed out in the final race of the year which allowed dylan ferrandis to win the championship uh he just edged out cianci rulo points wise to win the championship so Congratulations to Ciancio Rulo for uh, bouncing back right after that heartbreak. Like two weeks, there was two weeks, two week gap between him losing, just completely blowing the the Supercross Championship, and coming back 
and um, he podiumed every single every single overall this entire season. So um, it was a, a great job bouncing back for uh, Sianzu Rulo, and congratulations to both of the champions. Um, this is actually the first time that Cowie has pulled the championship in both classes since 2011. That's uh, a long drought, and I, when I was younger, I felt like uh, Kawasaki kind of dominated both of these classes, but um, yes, yeah, first time since 2011 when uh, Villapoto won the 450s and Dean Wilson won the 250s. So congratulations to both of those guys. Um, it was a great season. There was a lot of ups and downs, especially in the 250 class. Um, but there was there was some uh, there was there was stuff to watch in both classes all season long. It was a great season. It was great talking about it with you guys. And uh, we're moving in. We're moving on. This this sport does not stop after uh, after the season ends. Um, and we want to be that source for you guys to show you that it doesn't stop. But before we get into that mode, let's go ahead and cover the actual races that just happened yesterday. Let's talk about the 250s first. Um, in the 250s, as always, the 250s are just... I, I mean, the, the, the overall standings were pretty much what you expected. Um, you had Ferrandis. He went 1-1. As I, as I said, he did everything that he needed to to, um, to play the upset today. He just... The numbers were not on his side. Um, and he actually finished the day going 1-1. Um, he actually edged out Sianzu Rulo for most moto wins. So Ferrandis, who actually came in second, he actually won the most motos this season, um, which I find is interesting. It's something that we're going to talk about in the offseason is the, uh, the point systems, if it works, if it doesn't work, and um, what could be done better to, to make it more interesting, especially for the fans. Um, and second overall for the 250s, Cooper. Uh, Cooper looked really fast, especially in the beginning of both of both motos. Um, the The first moto, I thought Cooper was just gonna. I thought he was gonna check out. It looked like he was gonna check out for for a couple of minutes there, and then um, something happened. But I'll get to that after. Let me get through the. Uh, <laughs> let me get through the the overall standings, and then I'll get to what I think happened with Cooper. Um, and then number three, obviously, was Adam Ciancirulo. He went 2-4, um, and he officially podiumed every single race in outdoor this season, um, which I think is a testament to his consistency and played a big part in why he won the championship. Um Oh, that's that's the biggest difference. The the difference between Ferrandis and Cerullo and Sianciarulo uh, was Ferrandis won the most motos, but he he had some some issues here and there. He he may have won the most motos, but those ones that he didn't win, they weren't good enough. They weren't good enough to 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 keep the average the the um, score averages high enough for him so that he could compete with Sianciarulo. So that was the difference. You know, most moto wins for Ferrandis just did not edge out the Cienci Rulo podium, uh, taking a podium in every single overall this entire season. That's it's it's impressive. So, uh, as I was saying about Cooper, uh, I have some questions about this. Uh, and, and I watched it back a couple of times once Ferrandis um so 
if you haven't watched the races, um, spoiler alert, um, Cooper was out front, and he had to have been, uh, this is Moto 1, and he had to have been 20, 30 bike lengths ahead of Ferrandis. And um, oddly enough, it was right after they went past the pit boards. It seemed like Ferrandis closed on him really, really, really quickly and then just blew by him. So my question is, were those pit orders? Was uh, so, so the way that the points worked out was if Ferrandis finished first and Ciancia Rulo finished third in Moto 1, then the championship was not over yet. There was still, there, it would still go down to the last Moto. So what it seemed like to me was that um, Cooper was given orders to back off the gas, even though he was clearly the faster rider. It, uh, it seemed like he was given orders to back off the gas um, and let Ferrandis get into first and try his best to keep Cianci Rulo behind him. Um, now, that's not the way that it panned out. As I, as I stated in the finishes, the uh, um, Moto 1, Cianci Rulo ended up finishing second. Um, which is may may throw a wrench in my my theory as far as what actually happened because it wasn't long after Ferrandis went by Cooper that uh, Ciancerulo also followed him right past Cooper. Um, so that interesting stuff. I love watching the um, the strategies and the team dynamics going down to the wire, especially going down to the wire later in the seasons. It's very interesting to see how everything kind of plays out. Um, the different decisions that people make. Um, but, you know, it worked out the way that it worked out. Cianci Rulo got the win. Um, and moving, then that's the championship. Season's over. Um, so, uh, one more thing that I want to cover in the 250s was uh, something interesting that I heard in the broadcast while I was watching the races. Um, they were talking about Davalos. Now, um, Davalos, even as early as just a couple of years ago, I thought Davalos was was a, a key player in the 250 class. Um, it seemed like he was always up front or close to the front, especially in Supercross. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what's happened, but uh, they were talking about it in the broadcast, and Davalos um, doesn't. Uh, doesn't seem to want to race 250s anymore. Um, which, you know what, the, a lot of riders get into that point and they 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 just want to progress in their career. Problem is, is Davalos hasn't gotten any offers from any 450 um, factory rides. And he has stated publicly that if he doesn't get a 450 factory ride, um, he does not intend to go about it the uh, in the independent um, he, he does not intend to be an independent in the 450 class. So he said publicly, if he doesn't get a 450 factory ride, um, Davalos is done. Davalos will retire from the sport and he will, uh, he's going to move on with his life. So I think that'll be very interesting to watch. And I thought I'd mention it here on the broadcast so everybody can kind of keep an eye on it. Um, I've, I've always been kind of a Davalos fan. Um, I really like his style. Um, and especially in Supercross, the guy is just fast, and he's he's a fun rider to watch. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the offseason, see if he gets any deals. 
I would hope that he gets some deals. I He did have kind of a rough outdoor season, but usually the guy plays up front, so I can't imagine why somebody wouldn't throw some kind of an offer at him. Um, so I hope that for him because I'd like to watch him continue racing. And uh, that's pretty much all I've got for the 250s. So, um, yeah, it's the end of the season. Championships wrapped up. We got um, some stuff coming up on the horizon. So we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back, and we will talk. for. And we're back. Let's talk some 450s. All right, let's get straight into the overall standings. Um, as we know, Tomac took the championship uh, there were some interesting things that happened today, or I'm sorry, yesterday in the 450s, though. So uh, let's go through the standings first. Um, Tomac went um, one overall with a 3-1 finish. Um, uh, Tomac is Tomac. That's that's not much more to say about that. Uh, Roxon has continued his streak of looking like he is right there, almost there, almost back to being completely Roxon. Um, but not quite. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Roxon went 2-3 with a second overall. And then Osborne took a number three overall with a 5-2 finish. Uh, Osborne's one that I really, really like keeping an eye on. Um, I just find he, he has an interesting story going on. He spent a lot of years in the 250 class before he came up to the 450. And he acknowledged it. Um, and some people use... Kind of, some people use that kind of against him when they were judging him. They're like, yeah, of course you're winning championships in the 250s. You've been here. You're like old man of the 250s. Um, but he has acknowledged that coming up to the 450s. He, he said, uh, since I'm an older rider coming up here into my, my rookie year in the 450s, I don't have time to play around with a learning curve. I've got to go right now. And uh, you know what? He, he did that. Um, he had a really good year, especially for a rookie 450 year, um, and he he did a really good job of minimizing the learning curve jumping up to the bigger bike. So, kudos to Osborne. It's fun watching him. Um, so that was your overalls. The interesting thing that happened yesterday, and. I'm, I'm sorry, Steve. I know that you want to talk about... I'm, I'm sure that you're going to want to talk about this at some point over the next week uh, because Moosecan is your favorite rider, but Moosecan pulled a Moosecan yesterday. <laughs> so if you're not aware, um, Moosecan won the first moto. He, um, he was playing catch-up on both Roxon, who was out front, and Tomac, who was... Uh, who was right behind him uh, in one two, and Muscan just made his way right up to them. He he eliminated like several seconds worth of a, a a lead on both of them, and he just went right past them, and uh, he won Moto One pretty handily once he caught up to them. Um, and then he crashed out in the second Moto. So um. What I was originally going to talk about in this broadcast as it pertains to Muskan because he looked like he was the fastest guy out there by far was, hey, Muskan, where you been? Uh, we haven't seen you in several weeks, maybe once or twice this year. Um, but uh, he just couldn't put both motos together. And it's such a classic story for him. He's just not able to put two motos together. And 
I really hope that he's okay. It was kind of a bad crash that he went down on in Moto2. Um, but, man, so much talent. So much talent and unfulfilled potential. Uh, this guy, somebody's got to say something to him, do something to him, change change the way he's training. I don't know, I don't know what he's going to do, but there's a, he's got a ton of talent. He's one of the most talented riders out there. Um, and on certain days he is the most talented rider out there. He just needs to figure out some way to put this together. And he hasn't done that yet. But, um, again, I hope he's, I hope he's okay. He, he didn't even really try to get back onto his bike after he crashed. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, another big story in the four fifties was the, uh, the lappers, (laughs) man. So this was a super Ironman is a super, super rutted track, and it's crazy. Some of those ruts were like two, three feet deep. Um, and when tracks get that rutted, what happens is um, the, uh, most of the lines tend to come together uh, because people are trying to stay out of the really deep ruts. And this started becoming a problem, especially towards the end of the motos when... Um, the leaders were starting to get into the the lappers and this is especially happening in the 450s because the 450s in in moto one i think they're i think they lapped into like the top 15 or something something crazy like that and um when you have like really really close races like this like i said muskan caught right up to tomac and roxon and um you had all three of these riders pretty much in the same turn for like a couple of laps and there's only so many lines so as they're going through these lappers uh they're all getting funneled into the same lines and that that was keeping Roxon. that was actually saving Roxon um from being passed by tomac quite a few times yesterday that was in moto one and moto two is uh he was doing he either tomac was doing a bad job of making his way through the lappers or Roxon was doing a really good job of putting lappers between him and tomac either way um, the, the end result was the same, uh, Roxon kept Tomac behind him for a good portion of yesterday. Um, and that was pretty much it for the, uh, the four fifties. There was nothing really surprising that happened yesterday. Um, there's nothing, uh, nothing crazy happened other than, uh, Muskan, I, I haven't seen any reports for, for any serious injuries but they were talking about his knee as he went down in moto two so i'll be checking up on that and i'm sure if we have some news on it we will talk about it next week on the podcast but i wanted to after since we're done with the 450s that is the end of the outdoor season it's a wrap it's over we're moving on to the off season we're going to start talking about some other stuff um, pertaining to dirt bikes, we'll start looking forward to um, Supercross. Uh, the very next thing that we're going to be looking at, though, is in one month we have the Motocross of Nations event, and uh, I am looking forward to that. I think we have a good lineup um, for the Americans, and uh, it's I've, I always love watching Motocross of Nations. It's basically the Olympics of motocross, and I think that's just a for just a really cool idea so uh next week we'll be talking motocross of nations um we do we have tons of topics to cover 
over the off season. So I really hope you guys stick with us um, over the off season. We're going to be talking point systems. We're going to be talking uh, the the higher organizations, what they're doing well, what they're doing bad, what they could do better. Um, and uh, obviously Steve will be back next week. So um, one thing that we're considering, this is actually, uh, I'm doing this alone today. However, one thing that we are considering is doing individual segments for this podcast. So if you guys have any ideas on stuff that you want to hear about, or if you want to hear about it from anyone or for either one of us specifically, uh, feel free to drop a comment down at the bottom of the website and, uh, and we'll do our best to work those in. Um, so other than that, that would be it for the Power to the Ground podcast. It was a great season. I love talking talking with all of you guys about motocross, and uh, I look forward to talking more with you during the offseason and for uh, Motocross uh, Nations and looking forward to the, uh, the Supercross season starting. So that's it, and I will see you guys next week.